Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord, we come to you this morning. We are so excited to celebrate what you have done here for 175 years and how you have been faithful to us, Lord, as we have tried to follow the plan, the direction that you have put in front of us. What an awesome blessing it is to gather together to celebrate the things of the past and, Lord, to look to the future, to see where your hand will move. May we be sensitive with open ears and open hearts and willingness to move to see where you're directing We thank you, Lord, for the time we've had and the time we will continue to serve you. And Lord, most of all, we just ask that you would open hearts, that they would receive your word, that they would hear of your hope and your love, that they would be moved to follow hard after you. And you'll get all the glory, and that's where it belongs. In your name we pray. Amen. This passage this morning, we're going to jump around a little bit. We're in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start out with Hebrews 11 uh, verses 1 and 2. Then we'll go to 39 and 40 and then finish up at uh, Hebrews uh, 12, 1 through 3. All right. Hebrews 11, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders And the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not be grow weary and lose heart. May God add his blessing to the reading of the word this morning as we continue to sing Faith of Our Fathers. Do you here today to celebrate with you the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord is our strength. So we're celebrating in the strength the Lord has given to us. Why, this was such an important day today that uh, I actually had my pants dry clean. Can you imagine? I'm, <laughs> you know, you, you know it's important when your wife says, <laughs> you know. Well, just, just, that's okay. They, uh, yeah, we're 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 in good shape today. Uh, all of us can look back to someone that's made a big difference in our life. Maybe one of our parents or our family or friends, somebody at school or at work or wherever it might have been. 
Uh, in a spiritual sense, all of us have someone that we look back and celebrate because they made a difference in our life. It might have been some of those same people I mentioned. It might have been a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a youth worker. We know uh, the writer of Hebrews had some of those same kind of people that really influenced his life, and so he wrote uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and lists off for us name after name of person who made a big influence in his life spiritually. He talks about David and Solomon, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Moses, and so on. And then if we look at our own church history, as far as Baptists are concerned or Protestants are concerned, we think about Thomas Aquinas or uh, Augustine or Luther or Martin or uh, Martin Luther King. Uh, all kinds of people down through the centuries have made a difference in the spiritual pilgrimage of the church universal as far as all of the churches together might be. And then this morning we have uh, uh, a booklet out here in the hall, and in the booklet is a list of people uh, who have made a difference in the life of this particular church, Greenfield Baptist Church. And you can name off some of those people yourself. You can think about them in your mind, and you can read about them in the excellent uh, book that Sue Sabita uh, wrote. So you can be sure to pick one of those up, and lots of people were participating and putting that all together, and we appreciate that uh, effort. Here in Hebrews, we find... Uh, this particular fellow gave us some lessons that we can learn from the people of the past. Uh, those lessons then teach us how we can live today and be more productive in our Christian experience and uh, walk a closer walk with the Lord in our time and then pass that faith on to yet future generations that will come after us. We see here he begins with the idea of what faith was all about in chapter 1. And uh, we have placed our faith, if we're Christians, we have placed our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, and we trust in Him not only for an abundant life now and for His presence through His Spirit in our life now, but we also trust Him for eternal life as well. These people in the chapter 11 of uh, Hebrews, the faith chapter, these were people who worked uh, and created a good legacy of faith uh, so that we can learn lessons of faith today from them. And, and they were commended, it says, for their faith. It, uh, faith is something that crosses over generations. And so these people uh, thousands of years ago share in a faith in God that you and I can share with today. And we are united with them in some sense. And they of past generations, those who have been commended of their faith previously, are awaiting with us the Lord's return when he will establish a new heaven and a new earth, and uh, we will practice our faith together in that perfect world that God uh, has prepared for us at that time. But in the meantime, we are surrounded by that great cl cloud of witnesses, it says in, in verse 40. And these witnesses uh, are uh, supporting us in some way. We, we don't know exactly theologically how all that works, uh, but we know that uh, Jesus said, God's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. So all of those who placed their faith in God in times past, they're as alive and living as you and I are today. And they are aware of our ministry here today, just like uh, uh, Lazarus and Abraham were aware of what was going on in the earth, uh, even though they were in paradise and heaven. 
and uh, Abraham uh, or Moses and Elijah met with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they discussed about what was going on in the world and about how Jesus was going to fulfill his mission. And so in some way, the people who have gone on before us, this great cloud of witnesses, they're aware of what God is doing in our world today, and they support us, I'm sure. But more importantly than the cloud of witnesses from times past is the cloud of witnesses that surround us today, those people who are presently watching and learning from us. They are needing an example from us who call ourselves Christians. They need us to show them what it means to be a Christian in this present day and what it means to commit our futures to the Lord and the future of our church as well as our individual and families and so on. So the writer of Hebrews tells us that we need to lay aside every weight that holds us back from fulfilling that goal that God has set before us. Years ago, whenever I was a a young fellow, I uh, ran the two-mile. And we were at a track meet in Hermitage, and there were several teams there. And it uh, it was about 20 to 25 degrees that day. It was an early spring February morning. And uh, our evening, I mean. And so we um, uh, came time for our race, and everybody went up to the starting line, and uh, they all had their sweatsuits on. And my coach looks at me and he says, Victor, you take off the sweatpants and the sweatshirt before you run. And I thought to myself, a t shirt and shorts running a two mile, that's going to be a cold run. But, you know, yes, sir, I took them off. I put off that weight that uh, was holding me back. And you know, that was the only race I ever won in my lifetime. <laughs> so, well, you know, go figure. I, I guess, uh, you know, there, there must be something to that, you know. Uh, so it's a good thing I listened to him. So at least I had one race down that, uh, that I'd won. So we have to lay aside, you know, there wasn't anything bad about those sweatpants or that sweatshirt. You know, that, you know, had the team colors on and everything looked real nice. But, you know, that was weight that was going to hold me back when I was running the race. And so we have to take off that weight that holds us back. And each one of us can imagine what weight it might be in our life that's holding us back. And again, it might not be something bad, evil, necessarily. But sometimes good things in life hold us back from what? The best things that God has in life for us. So we lay aside every weight, the writer here says. uh, And then he says... Uh, we have to examine ourselves and think about what those weights might be to take that weight off. Uh, Many times my uh, uh, worst spiritual weight might be, uh, you know, my self-absorption, you know, my own agenda that I've got. All of us tend to focus on our own agenda, and that might be the weight that's holding us back. And we need to put that weight aside and take on the agenda that the Lord has for us or that others around us may need for us to have. And then he says we need to lay aside sin, and I think that's even more important. Lay aside sin that entangles us. Now, weights just kind of hold us back. We're still making progress with the weight on. I could have run the two-mile race with my sweats on, but I didn't because that just held me back. But then sin's different. Sin, we need to lay it aside because it entangles us. If I were entangled in some ropes or something, uh, I couldn't run a race. If we're entangled by sin in any way at all, that sin will hold us back. And, uh, and so we need to lay aside the sin which entangles us. And I think the greatest sin that entangles us is our failure to believe 
that Jesus is who he said he was. Our failure to believe in God, to believe that God sent his son Jesus to be our Savior and our Lord, and uh, we need to lay aside that unbelief, that sin of unbelief, and to grab a hold in faith uh, and trust in Jesus. Now, we don't have to have a giant-sized faith. Jesus said that just a mustard seed of faith was all it takes. It's not the amount of faith. Uh, somebody said it's, uh, it's not how big your faith is, but it's how big your God is that's important. And so we need to lay aside the sin of unbelief and place our mustard seed of faith in Jesus uh, that he might help us then to next run with endurance. Run with endurance uh, the race that is set before us. We've laid aside uh, the weights, we've, uh, uh, we've weighed aside the sin, and we've putting ourselves uh, on Jesus, uh, trusting our life to Jesus. He says to run then with endurance what you, once you've done that. Uh, again, using the running analogy, um, life, the Christian life is not a sprint, a hundred yard dash, is it? The Christian life is a marathon, a long distance run. Uh, the coach says whenever we ran the two-mile or the cross-country runs, he would say, run with the end in mind. Run with the end in mind. In other words, don't start out too fast. I made that mistake a few times. I tried to sprint the first couple hundred yards of a two-mile, and I was dead by the time you know, it got to the sixth or seventh or eighth lap. I couldn't do it. And so we run with the end in mind, run with endurance, the race that is set before us, verse 1 says. Jesus has a race that is set before each one of us. We don't know what the race might entail. We don't have all the details. But Psalms 139 tells us that all our days are known before there were even one of them. Before we were even born, Jesus knows each one of our days. He knows about our future. And so if we've placed our faith in Jesus as Lord then we need not worry about the future. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, he says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? And then Jesus finishes that teaching by saying, uh, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Now, it's easy to read, isn't it, when you read that uh, uh, in Matthew chapter 6? But it's hard to practice, isn't it? So we have to continually talk to God about our concerns. Don't allow our concerns to turn into worry. Someone told me it's easier to talk to God in prayer about your concerns than to allow those concerns to turn into worry and then just talk to yourself about the worry. You know, and, and I find myself doing that. I'm talking to myself about the worries rather than talking to Jesus about the concerns of my life. So then he says, then if we're going to prepare for that future, if we're going to live in light of what Jesus has done for us and celebrate what he's done in the past 175 years or whatever anniversary we might be celebrating, uh, then we need to um, fix our eyes on Jesus, verse 2. The anniversary of this church uh, is uh, an anniversary celebration of people who have previous 
actually lived and experienced the, the fellowship of the church in this faith community at Greenfield Baptist. And those people fixed their eyes on Jesus. Fixing or placing our present and our future eyes on Jesus. Putting all of that into his hands. Putting your eyes where they belong. So easy, isn't it, for us to get distracted and look at all kinds of other things that are going on around us. But if we run with a focus, the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, then the other troubles and problems that come to us, uh, they won't nearly seem as large when we have our eyes on Jesus. After all, Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, it tells us in this passage. And as the author, uh, the originator, uh, the one who perfectly lived out that faith on earth, he's created the history of our lives for us. He set the race before us and our, and our churches, and he will continue to perfect our lives as we live them day by day, trusting in him. He will continue to point out the future as the future unfolds for this church and as God calls uh, in different ways in the future ministry of this church. You see, Jesus knew what was going to happen, and so he could joyfully, it says, sacrifice himself for our sins. It seems unbelievable for us, but Jesus knew the end result of his sacrifice would be that he would be resurrected and he would return to heaven and he would be there at the right hand of the throne of God interceding for us. Interceding for those who would believe in him. When I was a pastor over at First Baptist Church in Rock Island, Illinois, uh, the police chief lived two doors down from us on the one side and the mayor, Bob Millett, he was a mayor uh, and uh, he was a member of our church. So, you know, if we ever had any trouble in the community, we had two good intercessors. All I had to do was, you know, call to, uh, to uh, them on the phone or, or uh, walk next door to the, to the police chief's house or visit him in his office downtown. And, and those concerns were taken care of. We didn't have to worry because we had two people who were in a position to intercede for us when there were troubles. And if those good people could intercede and restore the peace and the tranquility and the calm of the community when it was needed, think about Jesus. Jesus is there at the right hand of the throne of God. He's much greater than the police chief, much greater than the mayor. He can intercede for us, obviously, in a much better way and restore the calm of our spiritual lives, restore the calm of our spiritual community uh, more than any other person can do. Jesus was able to endure the opposition of sinful men, it says. He was able to win a victory over even death itself because he looked to the goal that was before him. And we as his followers will be able to endure the opposition that comes to us because life's not perfect, is it? There's all kinds of problems that come to us. And those problems that come to us, Jesus will be right there beside us as we live the next 25 years or 50 years or however many years the Lord has for us to live on this earth. We will be able to win a victory over even death itself too because Jesus has gone before us. He has set the example for us. His sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection from the dead was the promise that ensures that we too 
will overcome any circumstance that life might come to it, bring to us, and that we will experience that abundant and eternal life and that new heaven and that new earth someday. So with these promises in mind, it's much easier not to grow weary. He says, don't grow weary in your well-doing. Uh, don't lose heart. If you think about the people who've gone before, uh, they had difficulties, but they didn't lose heart. We're here today celebrating God's presence and his work in our life because they were faithful. They didn't lose heart. Uh, they sacrificed for us and on our behalf. And we can rejoice over the accomplishments of the past, but more important, we commit ourselves to the present to continue to tell the good news about Jesus in the present time and to commit ourselves to carrying out the legacy of faith that we too will be commended for our faith in this generation and we will have a chance to teach future generations of Jesus' love for them too. So for the rest of the time together this morning, we're going to celebrate not only what Jesus has done in the past, but we're going to celebrate the potential that we have for the future and uh, know that the Lord will be with us. Perhaps even as we close today, you might be looking at your heart and your life and saying, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what it means to have that abundant and eternal life. Uh, Jesus uh, offers that to all of us. All we need to do is to come to him in prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I need your help. Lord Jesus, forgive my sin. Come and live in my life by the power of your Spirit. And he will do just that. He will fulfill his promise. And then we can join that great cloud of witnesses and uh, run with endurance the race set before us, looking unto Jesus. Shall we pray? Thank you, Jesus, for your love for us. Thank you for the examples of these great people of faith in times past. And we thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate the few uh, great people that we perhaps have known in just recent history. Or we can celebrate with the people of faith here in this room about the, the love you have for us and, and the great potential and the great opportunities we have to serve you in this generation. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.